Welcome to So Much More. I'm Jody Nisnik. This is a podcast designed to help you create space for God. Jesus, in some of his last words found in John 16, 12, stated, There is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the Spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Joanne Hummel with me today as we have a conversation around Psalm 84 and what the Lord is teaching her. Joanne is a graduate from Dallas Theological Seminary, and she has served for 29 years on the pastoral team at Bent Tree Bible Fellowship in Carrollton, Texas. Her current role is pastor of shared leadership. Joanne is also a gifted communicator and is passionate about helping people experience the abundant life found only in Jesus Christ. And she is currently working on her doctorate in transformational leadership and is wrapping up her dissertation project in anticipation and great hope of graduating in January of 2023. I imagine that has been a long journey, Joanne. Well, welcome. I'm so excited that you are here with us today. Your excitement is only eclipsed by mine, my friend. I'm super excited (laughs) that you invited me. I feel honored. It's like I was sketched in pencil at the end of Hebrews 11, and I got to be with the big dog. So thanks for inviting me. Uh, I love that uh, sketching in pencil in Hebrews 11. I was coached to do that one point. Here's the hall of faith. And what will it say about you? And I was like, Ooh, that's daunting. So, uh, well, Hey, I introduced you, but what did I leave out? Tell us a little bit more about who you are, Joanne. Yeah. So, um, uh, many people know, but if you, you've never met me, I am a lifetime single woman, never married and uh, never expected that, but have lived a life that I could never have dreamed was possible back in the day. So, um, I'm kind of cruising my way towards retirement. Uh, so that will happen in a few years. I also, um, have, uh, two dogs. I have a golden doodle named Ellie and I just bought a Shiba doodle puppy, um, he's uh, 16 weeks old and his name is Fergus. And so I'm in dog world right now. Yeah. And I saw you post that uh, Fergus and Ellie haven't actually gelled. Has that, has that happened yet? Yeah, there's like, has Ellie decided to accept Fergus? Yeah. There's times when I think Ellie's body language says, I want to take you to lunch. And then there's times that her language is, I want to have you for lunch. And I'm not sure exactly how to read those. <laughs> well, eventually she's going to figure out, oh, Fergus isn't leaving. So I guess I better figure it out. That's right. I'm hoping. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, right. That's it is the hope. Um, well, listen, before we dive in to talking about the Psalm, let me just give us a quick reminder about it and read it for us. We are in Psalm 84 and this is verses one and four through eight. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord almighty. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before the God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. 
Okay. So we did this as a Lectio. So Joanne, where did the Lord draw your attention as you meditated on this passage? What word or phrase stood out to you? Yeah. Um, it's actually verse, uh, five set their hearts on pilgrimage. Blessed are those whose strength is in you who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. I think that's such a beautiful word. Don't you to describe mm-hmm. our walk with Jesus? Yeah, I agree. I love that word. And so tell me a little bit more about what did that mean to you as you talked to the Lord about this word pilgrimage and how did that, how how did he kind of bring that into your life today? Um, I think now that I'm, I'm older and I can look back, I see the value of pilgrimage and the truth of it. When I was younger and looking forward to walking with the Lord a long time I don't think I had that same perspective. So I think this idea of pilgrimage, I can so resonate with it. The Amplified Version says it this way, uh, blessed are those whose heart has the highway to Zion. So inside your heart is actually the pathway to Jerusalem, to Zion, to worship. So your heart is engraved with this idea as I'm going to meet with God. So I love that so much. And I resonate with that so much. And I think it's just a beautiful thing to buy back that word pilgrimage. It's an old word, but I just love it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so as you kept kind of moving through that process and he's bringing to mind, you know, your journey with the Lord, where did you then go kind of talking to him about specifically your pilgrimage yeah. with him? Um, I, I think because I came from a family that wasn't um, a Christian family, I I was born in Pennsylvania and our, I, we were pleasant pagans, as I like to say, our family was pleasantly pagan. Uh, we're not churchgoers. And so when I met Jesus um, and he found me in uh, 1970, I was 15 years old and I, I was rescued. I was rescued mm-hmm. out of a desperate situation in our family. My mom suffered with a mental illness. My father is an alcoholic and it was a dark home. And, um, and so we're all just kind of surviving. And when I met Jesus, it was like a red cross rescue. Mm. And so that began my pilgrimage, this journey with him. And I think the most impactful part of the pilgrimage was learning that Jesus was not just a resource or a ticket to heaven, that Jesus is the source of my life. Like he is the source of all life because he's God, but he's the source for my life. Like I go to him for everything. He is my need meter. And, and I think that really switched this idea. I think it was major Ian Thomas said, Jesus gave his life for us so that he could give his life to us so that he could live his life through us. And I think when I finally really put my arms around that and squeezed it tight, that's really when my pilgrimage took on the sweetest notes of all. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I love that quote from major Ian Thomas. Um, It is one that I have heard from numerous people, including you in the past. And it has always been really, really meaningful to me that Jesus gave his life to us. Actually say it again. You're going to, I'm going to get one of them wrong. So you, you quote it. No, it's right. Jesus gave his life for For us. us. So that's the Mm -hmm. cross. That's where most of us stop, but it goes on to say so that he could give his life to us. That's the person of the Holy spirit. 
And the reason the Holy Spirit is in us is the third part, so that he could live his life through us. So, Jody, you and I aren't living our lives necessarily. We're living the life of Jesus in our bodies, in our circumstances. We're living his life. He's living through us. And that's the pilgrimage piece. Yes. That's the journeying with Jesus, following him, walking with him into a life. And you even said it at the very beginning. This is a life you never even dreamed was possible the one that you right. lived, um, not expected. Um, but also just, he's done things that, um, you never even dreamed about. And that's part of the pilgriming with him. Um, you know, Joanne, I know that, uh, you have actually preached on this passage before. And, um, I listened to that message. And in fact, I, I'm going to put it in the show notes because I think people might want to hear you preaching on it. It's, it's a beautiful message, but I'm wondering what was the process of doing Lectio like for you on a passage that you were so deeply familiar with? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I wondered that too, honestly, when I sat down to be quiet before the Lord to see if something else would come because you were kind enough to adjust the numbers. First of all, I think it's cool that the Holy spirit had you contact me about Psalm 84. Yeah. So to me, Jesus wanted me to, think of other things in it, you know, like, don't just, it's not about your sermon. It's really about this Psalm of pilgrimage that I, that I want you to know. So um, he actually took me to the first couple of um, the the first um, illustration in verse three, it says, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. And you think that's out of place because what is he talking about birds? But he's talking about a swallow who has actually placed a nest right by the altar. And this guy is so longing or this writer is so longing for the presence of God that he's jealous of a sparrow that put her nest there by the altar. And he ends up by saying uh, in verse four. Uh, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. And you could put an ending like that little sparrow. Yes. He was jealous yes. of the sparrow who got to live in the presence of God. Yes. So I'm like, oh, Lord, that's what I feel. In the Lectio process, it's like when I sit with you and I am reading the word this way and asking you to speak to me, it's as if Jesus was saying, Joanne, that's that's the pilgrimage place mm-hmm. is living near my altar, living in a place in the presence of God. That's what the pilgrimage is all about. Mm-hmm. Journeying through life in the presence of God. That's yeah. so beautiful. I, it is. It is. And I, I think what I really uh, value about what you just said is like, you have not, we have not ever plumbed the depths of God's word. You spent hours researching this Psalm, putting together a sermon, teaching people about what God is inviting us into through this Psalm. And then years later, you get to sit down and do it in a meditative way and ask the spirit, okay, now what do you have for me? And, and you're not done. We're never done with God's word because we're different. You're different than where you were when you preached the message. I think it was 10 years ago, wasn't it? was 2016, I think 20. Okay. It was a while ago. Yeah. It was was a while back. And I had no idea that you had preached that message. So, I mean, that's again, the spirit just saying, I I'm praying over, of course, I want to have Joanne on my podcast because I think you're amazing, but what Psalm do I give you? 
that's the spirit connecting all of those dots behind the scenes. And he does beautiful work doing that. You also, and when God repeats himself too, like that, you have to pay attention. That, that's so to me, that was like, pay attention, Joanne, because this Psalm has come back and it's an odd Psalm. It's not like 23 or 139. It's like 84. What's in there? Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. It is. And yet there is so much amazing stuff in this. One of the things that I want us to talk about and for you to help us understand, because the psalmist uses some words that we won't be familiar with um, on the surface. And you already talked about one is um, till each of us appear before the God, before God in Zion. And Zion is actually the journey to Jerusalem. Talk about a little bit about what is Zion then and now. This the the background story of this, what the psalmist is describing are the the travels or pilgrimages that the Israelites would make three times a year. They were required to come to Jerusalem. Um, You might remember the story of Hannah from the Old Testament and part of of her going up to Jerusalem and taking her heart before the Lord because she was barren and wanted a child. So that's the same background. They're, They're required to come to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. And so this is talking about that pilgrimage. And so when they come to Zion, it's an, a euphemism for Jerusalem. So I would say Zion today, other than being physical Jerusalem, is what resides in the spirit of a Christian, where Christ dwells by his spirit in our inner person. You're carrying Zion around with you. I like to tell people, you're Jesus' favorite address. You know, if he's indwelt you, you're his favorite address, right? Because he's in you. So you're carrying this beauty of Zion, the presence of God with you. Mm, mm, That's so good. Um, Tell us a little bit about the other thing I think is really interesting is as they pass through the Valley of Baca and Baca has a double meaning here. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, Baca can mean several things. Um, It can mean tears, Um, So that's typically, if you read it in other versions, it's going to say tears. So it's a valley of tears. It can also be um, a balsa. Uh, That's another thing. So some of the trees would give off this other kind of, uh, um, some kind of gummy substance. So it's a, it's a valley of balsa trees. Um, But it's this idea of part of the pilgrimage that is difficult or hard, sort of like the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23. And so they're passing through a place of tears or hardness. And so I think that's really what it's talking about. They're passing through the valley. A valley is a symbol of trial or challenge. So notice they're passing through the valley of tears. And then it says they make it a place of springs. Well, who are the they they are the Israelites going on this pilgrimage. They are us, you and I, walking with God through life. And so now there's a decision. I'm in this place of tears. I'm in this place of trial and darkness and shadow. But then it says, I can make it a place of springs. So to me, what that was saying again, as I sat before this text with the Lord, It was like the Holy Spirit saying, we have a choice as children of God, as daughters of the king, as sons of God, in a time of trial or suffering, 
we have choices in those moments. We're not defined by them. We're not delimited by them. We're not defeated by them. We have a choice to turn to God in them, to turn to Jesus as our source in it. And that's where you see the springs and make it a place of springs. That's the Holy Spirit springing up in us like rivers of living water. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. That's the blessing of God pooling in our lives, even in the valley of tears. So I think it's a beautiful picture of the moment by moment choices we make, especially in times of suffering or trial. Yeah. And thank you so much for unpacking all of that. I think the word that is standing out to me, even as you were saying all that is they pass through Mm -hmm. the Valley of Baca. We don't ever stay there. Sometimes it's a long journey through, but we are moving through it. And I think there's just so much promise in that word of through because you will move through and the, the place of Springs, the pools, like the spirit coming, all of the things that you just said, um, those are choices we get to make to cling to those things and help us move through the Valley of tears, um, this place of pain. Um, and every single one of us has been in that place of pain. And I, I think Jody, when I'm in a place of pain, I often feel so helpless and oftentimes I am helpless because maybe it's circumstances I yeah. can't control. Right. But the one thing I can do as a child of God is I can call out to my heavenly father and I can rest in the presence of the one who never leaves me and never forsakes me. That may not change the circumstances. Like you said, the Baca Valley may be a long and deep one that takes a long time to traverse through, but I will get through it. But in the meantime, I can make a choice to invite Jesus into that space as my source of life and to transform those tears into springs and pools of blessing, even in the midst of a trial. And I think for those who are listening to this, who might be in that place, in that Valley of Baca, this is a word of encouragement for you as it is for us. Yeah. And I, you know, we didn't have verse three in there that talked about the the sparrow, um, or the little swallow, mm-hmm. um, the little tiny bird <laughs> that is nesting in God's place. And as you were talking about that, I was thinking that we are, as we are surrendering to God, we are in this really vulnerable, tender space. And it's almost like he just cups his hands around us as this little vulnerable bird and we get to reside with him. We get to dwell with him. We get to move through it with him. My, my mentor, Dottie, used to ask me, she said, in the hard times, Joanne, you have a choice. Will you wrestle or will you nestle? Wow. Yeah. That has always stuck with me <laughs> because I can picture nestling in that little nest. I can picture nestling with God instead of wrestling with him and, and fighting him and resisting yeah. him. Oh, I love that. I'm probably going to have to steal that from Dottie (laughs) and and use that in my own life. Um, Okay. Before we move on, is there anything else about this passage that stood out to you or that you want to mention or that the Lord impressed upon you? Yeah, I, um, I wanted to go down to verse 12, which wasn't included Mm -hmm. in the reading either, but I was going through the whole Psalm. So you're an overachiever. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no. 
I'm sure there's those of you who are listening who are like Jody and I, we're, we're overachievers. It says, Oh Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And I think we often use the word faith. You see it in Hebrews. Um, it's repeated so many times throughout the Bible. And faith is a beautiful word. But I love the word trust because to me, it kind of connects to the nestling. It trust feels to me like a word that is very childlike, that recognizes its own helplessness and its own desperate dependence uh, on God. So I love the fact that it ends with trust that blessed and blessed occurs several times in the Psalm. So you got to pay attention to uh, what is blessed and uh, trust is what is leads to this blessing, trusting in God, even in these dark times is what leads to this sense of blessing in the midst of it all. Yeah. That's a great um, tool that you just gave is I would encourage everybody when you're done with this podcast, if you've got a moment, pull up this Psalm, open your Bible, read it, notice all of the places where it's blessed. Mm -hmm. Blessed are those who dwell. Blessed are those whose strength is found in you. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. And there may be more. Those are just three that jumped off the page to me. I'm not, um, I'm looking at this real time with you. And so, but look at that and where, where is the blessing? Um, and where does it come from? And it comes from a posture that we choose. That's right. And if you think about your lifelong pilgrimage and you got all the three blessings that are in there, Jody, oh, so you counted them right, but just think <laughs> of it as a depth of blessedness. Mm-hmm. Just think of your life of pilgrimage with Jesus as a depth of blessedness. Don't necessarily look at each one and say, oh, it's, I've got to do this, this, and this, like a list. I think what he's oh, the trying to get at is this life of pilgrimage, even in the midst of difficulties, is a life that has a depth of blessedness or happiness, wholeness, satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So I think that as I look back on my pilgrimage with the Lord, I can say that. Mm, thank you for sharing that. Well, um, I want to shift gears a little bit. and. One of the things you are an incredibly gifted preacher and communicator, but you have a bit of a reputation for at times using some large or perhaps unusual props in your messages to help get a point across. Um, in fact, if you guys go watch um, the preaching on Psalm um, 84 that Joanne did, she's even got a prop in there, but I want to know what comes to mind as one of the bigger things that you have done and why did you choose that? Early on, as in my uh, preaching time, I started preaching in 2006, and so we were assigned different passages when our pastor was away, um, which is what typically happens. And I happened to be assigned Leviticus 16, which uh, was talking about the scapegoat from the Old Testament. So um, it's a long story, but I thought, you know, kids are in the room because it was a family Sunday. So how do I bring this alive? So we called up a petting zoo and I did rent a goat (laughs) and I had a lady bring a goat in a big like dog pen crate thing and had straw on the bottom and everything. The the goat was in the green room. It had like green room requirements and had a handler. It was actually pretty expensive um, to pay that goat. That's no joke. And so she brought him out on stage when he needed to be out there for the scapegoat and the only time I looked at him and I gestured off stage uh, from the middle of the stage at the podium to the goat, which obviously people were looking at the entire time, 
But as soon as I pointed to him and said the scapegoat, he had turned around to the audience with his backside towards the audience and was pooping voluminously (laughs) through all the little open spaces of the crate. So I will never be forgotten as the goat lady preacher, the pooping goat lady. Oh my gosh. So yeah, that is, that is the best story. And secretly, that is why I asked you the question. I wanted you to tell the goat pooping story. (laughs) Thanks, Jody. Thanks. Uh You're welcome. Um, Okay. Let's talk about something else. I am curious, what is transformational leadership? You are getting, you're doing doctoral work in transformational leadership. So give us the high view of what is that? Yeah. Well, it goes back to something that I said earlier, which is this idea that um, transformation in our relationship with Christ comes from his indwelling life and our abiding in him by his spirit. So the leader herself, himself experiences spiritual transformation um, ongoing through that process of trust. And you bring that to the leadership task with other people. So you're not just in a position of leadership, you're actually experiencing Christ's leadership in your life, that you're in a humble posture, you know you're growing, you don't have it all together because the Holy Spirit is changing you, and you bring that to the leadership task. So you're not an exalted person who's got it all figured out leading people. You are among your brothers and sisters being transformed uh, by the Spirit day by day, and you're bringing that to the leadership table. So it engenders the idea of uh, presence and incarnational leadership, shalom leadership, where you're looking for the wholeness and rightness of things. Um, there's there's eight or nine different kind of tenets of our school of transformational leadership. I was so drawn to that that I just had to work with them in my doctoral journey. Yeah. Wow. It sounds fascinating. So I'm curious, like what's one thing that you've learned. And I, I know it's hard to distill it down to one thing because you're actually doing doctoral level work, which means you've been thinking about this a lot, but what's one thing that you feel like we should all take with us as far as how to lead in a transformative way in whatever sphere that we're leading in? Yes. Um, I actually joke with people that I'm doing me search and not research because I'm (laughs) studying single women (laughs) in leadership roles. But because the the school's foundational thing is uh, one of them is incarnational leadership, it has challenged me to be involved in setting up a mentoring program with rising young women leaders, particularly single women leaders. And so I'm doing mentoring now one-on-one and I'm doing it walking. So this is an interesting, I'm about to trademark a name for myself, but I'm doing it walking side by side with these women instead of meeting face-to-face. And so I get my steps in uh, a couple (laughs) times a week for sure, but that's been super fruitful. And I wouldn't have done that, Jody. I don't think had I not been really wrestling down this idea of Jesus put his life in me. How can I put his life through me into the lives of other women? And so I think it's led me to this beautiful thing that I hope can carry on past my pastoral career into a continuation of mentoring women uh, in ministry and in the secular business world as well. Mm, I love that. Well, uh, I know that you are an amazing mentor and you speak words of life 
and encouragement. And you are just, you're incredibly wise. So I can see God's fingerprints all over that being a part of what you're being led into. So, well, you just did that to me, girl. Thank you so much. I received it. In Jesus. Oh, Thank you. Yay, Jesus. Okay. Well, I'm here's another thing I want to ask you. And I know you're a pastor, and so your business is being with God and, and pouring out to others, but how are you creating space for him in your own personal journey? What does that look like for you? Well, I was really glad for you reminding me of Lectio Divina. I mean, it's a, it's a practice that's so beautiful, and I'm glad your podcast is built around it because it really does go right to the heart of what we've been talking about, this pilgrimage that the spirit has us on with um, uh, the presence of Christ. So I love that. Thank you for that. um, Just reminder of that spiritual uh, discipline to um, set apart that time for the spirit to speak specifically. Um, I think that what Jill Briscoe said many years ago, when someone asked her that same question, you pour into the lives of others, how do you pour, how do you find refreshment? And I don't remember the address of this verse, but she said, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Mm-hmm. And I think I had a stink eye when she said it, like, are you really being real? And now at this set part of my career in my life, I feel like that is super true. That when I see the lights go on in the gala mentoring that's in an executive position in an insurance company, and we get and I see Jesus working in her, there's something about that that is soul refreshing to me. Mm. That yeah, maybe I could sleep a little longer, I could do whatever, but that really refreshes me. And so I'm I'm seeing the truth of what Jill spoke so wisely long ago. He who refreshes others, she who refreshes others will herself be refreshed. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Well, Joanne, it has truly been such a privilege to have this conversation with you and um, just value you so much and the ministry that you've had over the years. You are just someone that's always been such an encouragement. So thank you for encouraging all of us today. You're so welcome, Jody. Thank you so much for having the courage to do this podcast and inviting me to be a part of it. Thank you so much, girl. You're a rock star. (laughs) Well, thanks. Um, Hey, I have been telling you guys about a podcast that I want to recommend to you if you're liking this one. So I want to just do it one more time. Uh, It is called Honestly Though, Real Talk, Real Life, Real Faith, and it's done by my friends, Rebecca Carroll and Liz Rodriguez, and they're taking a biblical take on cultural issues, fascinating guests and fascinating conversations. So if you like that, um, if you like this podcast, check that one out. I also want to say, gosh, if you like this podcast, could you do me the enormous favor of leaving a review? Um, you can just hit the five star button. You can actually leave a real review, but all of that, you wouldn't even believe how much that does in helping podcast platforms recommend this podcast to other people. So thank you so much for being a part of this ministry and doing that with me. And as always, I just want to thank you for joining me on so much more where we do believe that Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen. Life Audio presents Bridges with Monica Schmelter. That we have an enduring hope that can't be taken away when we are in Christ. 
and to know that we have that, right? And eternal salvation, because this world can be so busy and so dark that we can forget that, right? Right? Because sometimes I get caught in the trappings of what's going on in my life this moment. And while I have to recognize that, that's not it. Continue listening on lifeaudio.com or wherever you find your podcast.